Good morning. It is KLN Company Live here on WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 101.9 FM in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. And uh, we have a very special treat uh, this morning on the program. We have uh, spared no expense to bring in uh, from Scotland a gentleman by the name of Grant Adamson. Grant, uh, welcome to WKXL. Great to have you with us. Great to be here. And uh, Grant is an avid traveler and a freelance photographer and uh, a bon vivant and uh, interested in many, (laughs) many things. So we have a lot to explore uh, during the next little while here on... uh, WKXL. The first thing I, I found out about uh, Grant uh, is that he was a, a big fan of professional wrestling. And you've actually done yeah. some wrestling commentary, correct? Uh, yeah. So a couple of uh, couple of many moons ago, I got the opportunity to uh, do some commentary for a local wrestling promotion um, based in Dundee in Scotland. Um, they were looking to try and expand themselves out to bring kind of big names and book a big venue and build themselves up to be, you know, quite a So they brought you in? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I don't know. I was more like the hired help. Okay. So they, what they wanted to do was to, you know, promote DVDs, do yep. live shows and stuff. So they needed a voice. They needed someone to come in and kind of ramp up the atmosphere. So they just kind of found me for free. And I thought, well, you know, why not? I'll do it for nothing why not it could be good fun um so that was about six seven months it was quite interesting um created a whole persona for myself i mean you kind of have to you got to work in the wrestling shows, gotta, sure yeah, of course you gotta yeah. work the fans yeah. gotta work the cameras and the the big um payoff was um selling out a big three thousand seater arena um bringing names in like million dollar man ted DiBiase. yeah to headline yeah. the show. Um, it did involve me getting knocked on my ass a couple of times. <laughs> Not going to lie. <laughs> the things I do for fame and showbiz. But yeah, uh, it was it was a nice childhood dream just to be involved in the show. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because <clears throat> uh, you, you, you said you're a huge wrestling fan. Mm. And I asked you who, who uh, your favorite wrestler was. And you said... The Undertaker. The Undertaker, who's uh, who's been around for ages and ages. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he's the kind of guy who has stood the test of time. Yes. I mean, he has been around almost as many years as I've been born. Oh, yeah. And always reinventing himself, always, you know, bringing up the new guys, always putting them on a platform. Just absolute professional and always entertained from start to finish. Yeah, so. no no doubt about it. So one of the greats of all time, uh, as is uh, Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man. Of course. Did, did he get a, a million dollars or a million pounds to, to come oh, to Scotland? I, I think we may have had to move a few decimal points, but yeah. he got paid, he got paid. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, um, Ted DiBiase would probably say this himself, but his character, his persona, was what Vince McMahon wanted for himself way back in the day. 
but he didn't have he felt he didn't need to be in front of the camera so he actually offered his lifetime goal to Ted and he took that character and run with it yeah, so. he sure did and uh, made a big name for himself with, with, with without question so that's that's the wrestling background that mm-hmm. uh, Grant Adamson has but I I was when uh, you know Kat, our, our producer, Catherine Martinez, uh, mentioned that uh, she had a friend from Scotland that uh, could be on the show. I was very excited about it because both of my uh, grandparents on my mother's side were mm. born in Aberdeen, wow. Scotland. And I, I have never been uh, to Scotland. So tell me and the rest of our audience just a little bit about uh, Aberdeen. Well, Aberdeen is one of those uh, places. It's nicknamed the Granite City, which is very uh, appropriate and for New Hampshire. State. Exactly. Yeah, right. So you've got more than one connection there. Yeah. Um, Aberdeen has been a working city for as as long as memory holds. Um, it's basically the the city where a lot of workers offshore that will work on the oil rigs out in the North Sea will kind of base themselves. It's a hard town, but it's a beautiful place at the same time. Um, it is, I, I don't know, you get a little bit of the best of both worlds. I mean, you've got a lot of um, university students that will go up to the University of Aberdeen. You've got historic castles and monuments up there. And and the town is, is a good, hardworking town. So you get a lot of good fun, a lot of really nice locals. Um, it's, it's a real nice, lively place to go. Uh, so basically, is it a middle class kind of town? I don't know in terms of class, but I would say that if you were telling somebody to come to Scotland and they were thinking, oh, I'll go to Edinburgh, I'll go to Glasgow, I'll go to Dundee, Aberdeen is probably up there with Edinburgh and Glasgow in terms of size, in terms of number of people, even in terms of number of attractions to go and see. But it never gets the attention that the yeah. other two get. It doesn't seem to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so uh, if you're in Aberdeen, what what's the the number one thing? that, uh, you know, you would go to? Well, for me personally, yep. like music is a very avid part of my lifestyle. Mm. So for me, uh, there's a lot of large concert arenas up there that I would tend to go. The last one was actually Iron Maiden, funnily enough, which yeah. was interesting to say the least. Iron Maiden, huh? Yeah. They're still around. They're, they're <laughs> still kicking. Bruce is still going. Um, I would say I spend most of the time trying to get out of the city itself and into like the countryside and just try and find like a little quiet spot, try and find like, some nice old buildings and like a nice blue sky and good food. Anywhere there's good food and a good view, I'm there. So Now, what, what do you consider uh, good food? I mean, whenever I think of Great Britain, and I think it's the stereotype for uh, most yep. Americans, they think of fish and chips, right? Well, yeah. yeah. I, Which I, is great. I love fish and chips. Fish and chips is amazing. Yeah. I, I could actually give you a top five list of fish and chips in the country, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well. Not too far from Aberdeen, funnily enough, is one of them. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, fish and chips, I mean, we, we're kind of a culture who are quite used to eating out on the go. So you get a lot of takeaway places, but you also get a lot of really nice restaurants. Um, fish and chips is pretty much, yeah, up there, I would say. Um, I mean, you know, stick to your guns, I suppose. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's... um. Yeah, but I mean, you've you've also got like Italian restaurants, you've also got like French cuisines, you've got 
like local Scottish bars and cafes and, and obviously the pub lives as well. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. like bar lunches, a um, couple of pints on a Sunday afternoon watching sports. I mean, it's not too dissimilar from here. Whenever I hear about Scotland in particular, uh, people just rave about how picturesque it is, mm. uh, how many castles there are uh, in in Scotland. But uh, those are a couple of the takeaways that uh, that most people have, and, and you've kind of backed that up, saying how uh, picturesque it can be. Yeah. Oh, I mean, castles, for me, I'm actually a member of Visit Scotland and Historic Scotland Trust. So for a fee per year, I get free access to all these places, which makes for some really interesting weekend trips. So, I mean, you've got up in Loch Ness, you've got Urquhart Castle up at Fort Augustus. You have Dunatar Castle um, further down. You then have even just as simple as Edinburgh Castle. You've got Dunfermline Abbey, which is my local. I mean, even taking the castles to one side, I mean, just the, the, the sheer history, the richness of the history that we have, which I know a lot of people in this country are quite almost jealous of. It's like, oh, we don't have that history. You've, you've got your history. We've just been around a little longer than you guys yeah. have that. So. <laughs> and, you, you know, got started before we did. Yeah. 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 And if you want to talk about my hometown, I mean, Dunfermline oh. was the ancient capital of Scotland. Oh, well, what is your hometown? Uh, Dunfermline. Okay. It is the final resting place of King Robert the Bruce. Oh, yeah. His resting place is under the pulpit of Dunfermline Abbey, which wow. was um, built by Malcolm Canmore for his wife, Queen Margaret. There is, you know, it's the birthplace of Andrew Carnegie, and that is how you pronounce the name, by Carnegie, the way. Carnegie, not yes. Carnegie. No, nope, Carnegie. Carnegie. Nope. Carnegie. Carnegie. Okay. <laughs> All right, so the next time I go to New York, I'll look for Carnegie Hall. Carnegie Hall, oh, yes. Yeah. We've got one, too, as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the big man is somewhat of a, a almost a, an, an inspiration for me. I mean, some a guy that, that, that came from nothing became, you know, a philanthropist, became, you know, part of the Industrial Revolution, became a millionaire on it. And it's, it's a little bit of an inspiration for someone like me to go, well, you know, he went out there, found the world, found a life. Yeah, maybe there's something for me out there, too. Oh, I know there is. There's no doubt about it. We have just scratched the surface on this Tuesday morning with Grant Adamson, who is a, an avid traveler. We'll, uh, uh, or He will tell you about uh, some of his travels, even in this country, uh, as well as Scotland, and a freelance photographer as well. And uh, sometimes a wrestling uh, broadcaster and promoter. You have a whole list. I mean, your resume is a mile long, Brad. <laughs> and I've just met you. Wait we'll till be, you hear what we have to oh, say next. Oh, I know. I, I can't wait. I'm on the edge of my seat here at, uh, <laughs> here at WKXL. And I know no matter what you say, I know our audience is enthralled by your Scottish, do you call it a Scottish brogue? Uh, or is that an insult? I don't know. Let's I've see. heard that it was, but I Let's didn't see. mean it to be. Let's see. <laughs> All right. Okay. We'll be back with Grant and a whole lot more about Scotland and uh, a lot of stuff coming up here on WKXL and NHTalkRadio.com. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back. Kale and Company live for a Tuesday here at 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 1019 in Manchester and beyond, and streaming around the clock at nhtalkradio.com. So, uh, Grant Adamson, our guest from Scotland, uh, you can even listen to us uh, in Scotland. 
yes, uh, on, on the internet. There may be people listening right now at uh, about uh, 121 p.m. I'm sure my mother's one of them. Oh, there, there, <laughs> there you go. There you go. But if any anybody in Scotland or anywhere else missed this show or would like to hear it again, we repeat it at uh, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, just uh, a little after 7 o'clock here on WKXL. Well, Grant Adamson is with us uh, from Scotland, although he is a uh, world traveler. And uh, I guess, you know, the first thing I was met with today by uh, our producer, Kat, is the fact that you're a Yankee fan. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the cat's out the bag now. <laughs> to, to be fair, the Yankees were the first baseball team that I ever watched live. It's also the fact that I've had this avid obsession with New York since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So it kind of went with it. Although, in, in my defense, though, um, in my defense, I'm more of a baseball fan overall than just the Yankees. Yeah. So I, I have the Giants in there, the Cubs, the Mets. I've, I've even started following the Mariners. Um, I haven't heard well. the Red Sox yet, folks. I haven't heard uh, them say the Red Sox. I mean, I, mean, I, I, like, <laughs> I like the city of Boston. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, A lot of people are jumping off the bandwagon uh, this year, but Grant was never on there, you Red Sox bandwagon, to begin with. But uh, you, you've been to Yankee Stadium, correct? Many, many times. Many yeah. times. Many, and you're going back. I am, yeah. So they're they're playing the Pittsburgh Pirates tomorrow night. They're, they're also playing this little team called Boston, nah. I think it is, on Thursday. So, yeah, <laughs> so I've also got a game in there as so, well. You know, you could be there on a very historic occasion. Very possible. Because, of course, Aaron Judge, as we speak, the Yankee center fielder has 59 home runs. He does. Which is already a Yankee record for a right-handed batter. Mm-hmm. Now, and that was A-Rod's record, which yep. was 54. Uh, Mickey Mantle uh, had 60 in a season, but he was a switch hitter. The all-time Yankee record and American League record for home runs is 61. In a season. Roger Maris of the Yankees had 61 in 1961. And now Aaron Judge sits at 59. And I was at a Red Sox-Yankee game last week at Fenway Park Mm. when he was at 57 uh, home runs on uh, Wednesday night. Honestly, I was wishing going into the game that it hit four. Really. (laughs) I mean, the game means nothing to the Red Sox, right? And they acted like it yeah. on the field that night, uh, and the Yankees won. Uh, but, you know, four would have tied the record. That's a little bit too much to ask. I mean, nobody's ever hit more than four home runs in a Major League Baseball game, uh, and that's very, very rare. Uh, so that was asking a little too much. I would have settled for one, just so yeah. I could have said I saw one during his record-breaking run. Absolutely. Uh, but I didn't. And uh, I actually saw a Yankee game in New York uh, in in August, and he did not not hit a home run in that game because the Yankees were shut out by Toronto in the oh, game. I remember I saw that one at yep. Yankee Stadium on a Friday night. But but nonetheless, uh, Aaron Judge has had uh, a, a very very good season, and he'll be a free agent at the end of this year. He will. He and uh, I would I would love to see a certain team go after him. <sighs> And I think you know which one I mean, Grant. I've got an inkling, yeah, yeah. I think I know. But, of course, you, on the other hand, would love to see him stay in the Bronx. I think, in all honesty, I think Aaron's heart and soul is in the Bronx. I think 
he's sitting there wanting them just to write him the check he wants so he can stay where he wants to be. I mean, he's he's a California kid. I mean, there's nothing that would stop him from going out west. I mean, I could see someone like the Giants picking him up. No. I, I think Aaron knows that he's loved and adored in New York. They've embraced him the same way that they've embraced all the big names in the past. And, you know, this is like a historic year. Does he really want to be Aaron Judge who made and broke all records and then left or Aaron Judge who made and broke all records and kept on going? I know another record he's going to break. Mm-hmm. The largest baseball contract of all time. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's possible. And yeah. do you know what? For the season he's had, and even as a Yankee fan, I'll even admit that he has carried that team on so many occasions that he's been one of the only hitters in some of these games that they've actually, you know, won anything in August. I honestly think that if we're looking at a $40 million a year guy, it's very possible. More, more. I think it's going to be more. I think it's going to be north of 50. I I, I think there's going to be a little issue on the side of his age because, I mean, he's he's hitting 30 now. Yep. His last few seasons have been less than great with injuries. And I think I think what like Hal has been looking at with his fitness and his well-being is he, he's getting more off days this year try and prolong his health and fitness yeah and i think this was more the test they wanted to take these last two years and go right let's see what we can do when we put him in front of a full season at full health and let's see if he can he can still go because these numbers i mean he's he's what point two or point i don't know what it is now point three shy of the triple crown potentially he's first oh, yeah. in every other yeah. category at this right point yeah yeah. I mean, MVP is almost a slam dunk at this point. I would think so. I, I, I would think so. And uh, it's about time the MVP award went to somebody on a first-place team, I, I think. Absolutely. Uh, you know, other than, uh, you know, uh, Otani and Trout, you know, swapping MVPs with an also-ran <laughs> team for many years. But but nonetheless, that's a story and for, for another day. But uh, I, I never thought when we opened this conversation or when I met you, uh, a little bit before we went on the air today that we'd be talking baseball, but it's 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 terrific. But I, I think Judge is very unique in the sense that he is so, because of his personality, mm. because he's, you know, uh, such, you know, physically a large presence, obviously. Larger than life, One of yeah. the larger, uh, he's larger than life, is, yeah. is, is, is absolutely right. And so marketable. That the team, uh, whoever signs him, whether it be the Yankees or, or another team, uh, paying in the vicinity, I would think, of $50 million. I mean, they are going to get that back in spades yep. uh, just in merchandising alone. That's a lot of shirt sales. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, the, the, the thing that people need to sort of remember is that you can overpay for a player when they're in the prime. And then end up overpaying for them when they're out. The right. Point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you only have to look at the likes of another former Yankee in Robinson Cano to know exactly what that potentially oh, yeah. might look like. Yeah, you are... could even look at Albert Pujols when he went to LA. I mean, they, they ate a lot of that contract. And then ironically, the second he comes back to St. Louis, he's blasting them out of the park like he was there yesterday. He is. Yeah. He's 21 all over again. Yeah. I, it, it is unbelievable the run that uh, Albert Pujols uh, has been on, but yeah. without question. And this is final season, they say, but the way he's played down the stretch, he may reconsider that. 
You never know. <laughs> I mean, the, the the joy of the fact that the DH has been brought into the National League this year has done nothing but give him that platform to go, do you want to hit 700? You can go 700. Here's here's the plate. Here's the bat. You go nuts. Yeah. yeah. And I think he's going to do it. I mean, we've still got, what, 14, 15 games oh, left yeah. in the season? He's been on an unbelievable run. He could set out the next six games and still hit 700. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. So uh, uh, he may reconsider. Who knows? <laughs> but Aaron Judge yeah, he will hit free agency. And uh, we shall see the kind of uh, monumental contract that he will command with somebody. Could well be the Yankees. But you just amaze me, the fact that you know all, you know, I mean, really, that you know all these things uh, about uh, about baseball coming coming from Scotland. I don't mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah, listen, my, my roots are in Scotland, but I've, I never visited there. I've never been there. Uh, but, uh, and you know, my, my grandfather uh, from Scotland uh, was a tremendous baseball fan really? when he got to this country, yeah. you know, and uh, was an avid follower uh, of baseball. And, and he loved football as well. And by football, I mean soccer. Not, not a big American football fan, uh, but uh, a fan of European football. I think a lot of people that come from like the UK in general, they, they find American football to be so close to rugby that it's almost like it's trying to be something else. So, and it's football. You kick a ball with a foot. Yeah. It's what they know. It's what they learn. It's what they'll stick with. Yeah. They're a little bit stubborn with that, I suppose. Yeah. Our guest is Grant Adamson, direct from Scotland, folks. And uh, he is uh, an avid traveler, freelance photographer, loves baseball, Loves wrestling and uh, loves fish and chips. We found that out, too. <laughs> and we'll find out more about Grant and more about Scotland. We'll, we'll talk about the Queen uh, as well and uh, what she means to Scotland and what Scotland meant to her. Right after these words on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Kale and Company will return right after these words. Welcome back, Kale and Company live on Tuesday on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Our guest, Grant Adamson from Scotland. All right, E-D-I-N-B-U-R-G-H. How do you pronounce it? I believe that's how you pronounce Edinburgh. Edinburgh. That's so, it. So where, it. where does the where, Edinburgh? Where, where does the B O R O come from in Edinburgh? I think that comes from Americans. <laughs> <laughs> but but as, as as someone from Scotland, you, mm. you you pronounce it Edinburgh. Yeah. So the the uh, easiest way to pronounce it is you take the the E D is is Ed, same way you would say head, then in, yeah. and then bruh, as in a lot of like. Kids will say, bruh. Bruh. Edinburgh. Yeah, Edinburgh. just roll the R a little bit and you're good. You just pretend the U's not there. Edinburgh. You just got a lot of consonants at the end. You're fine. Edinburgh. That's it. Yeah, okay. All right. You could be a local any time of the day. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, people over here say Edinburgh, you know, and I don't yeah, know. Okay. I wonder where the other, you know, O-R-O or O-R-O-U-G-H comes from, but, but you know, let them worry about that. So, it, it, it can be pronounced a couple of ways, I guess. Yeah. So, all right. As long as they go there and enjoy themselves, that's all that matters. That's right. And uh, right now, in the capital of Scotland, which is Edinburgh, <laughs> uh, it is uh, 65 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, 
18 degrees Celsius. You, you go by Celsius over there, right? We do, yeah. Most of the world does, except for the United States. Oh, they like to be different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is true. But it's a little bit warmer there right now, even as we speak, than it is here. A little bit, which is almost ironic because anytime I do go traveling, I either get the best of the weather or the worst of the weather. And meanwhile, back home is just enjoying and lapping up the sunshine. So it's like, yeah, do you know what? It makes it interesting. So what are your winters like, generally speaking? Uh, winters are usually kind of similar to New Hampshire, to be honest with you. There's a lot of wet and cold. Um I mean, snow, not as much. I mean, you guys kind of luck out. Well, I say luck out. I always think if you learn to drive, you're going to hate the snow. If you don't know how to drive, you'll love the snow. Because if you have to drive in it, you're going to hate that stuff. But, yeah, we've kind of had a few wintry big blizzards. We, we called one the Beast from the East a few years ago as well. That one lasted like a week and a half of nothing but just blizzard snow everywhere, like at least three, four inches in the city. So that was kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, most of the time it is, you know, hitting like like minus one, minus two Celsius. So you're probably somewhere down in your 40s for, I mean, it's not ridiculously cold, but yeah, you have your good days and your bad days. And now, what, now we've had uh, this summer, uh, and we're almost done with summer now, but uh, in New Hampshire, we've had a number of uh, 100 degree plus days mm. here uh, in New Hampshire. Almost a record amount. I don't think they quite hit the record. Hmm. Uh, but d- does that happen in Scotland? Do you any, have 100-degree days at all during the summer? I don't think it's ever hit 100 degrees in Scotland in its entire history. You may have to go back to the dinosaurs before it was ever that warm. <laughs> but, yeah, we've we've also had, like, record temperatures as well. So we've had, um, you know, to be honest, most of the time, anytime it's more than 10 degrees Celsius, we think that's t-shirt weather. So we'll just head down to the beach anytime the sun's out and it's in double digits. But, you know, for the summer this year, we've had 24, 25 degree heat. So, I mean, we're up there in this high 70s, 80s in Fahrenheit and it's it's been wonderful. Um, I was lucky enough to actually go down to the, uh, the MLB Home Run Derby that was in London a couple of months ago, and it was hitting 35 degrees far, uh, Celsius down there. Needless to say, I came back a little pinker than I prefer myself to be. But um, as a Scotsman, you don't tend to... to, to uh, Tan. Tan, yeah. We, we, we tend to be pale blue in colour, as Billy Connolly once said. We take a week of sunbathing to turn white. And I came back like pink and red and all kinds of colours. It was... a. Uh, Interesting, but it was worth worthwhile. And uh, you mentioned the the home run derby, mm. uh, which is like a, a worldwide home run derby with stops in a lot of places yeah. uh, around the world. And uh, I know former Red Sox uh, slugger uh, Johnny Gomes is involved in that. He certainly is. Another uh, Red Sox alumni in uh, Adrian Gonzalez is also yes. involved there okay. as well. Yeah, yeah. And Nick Swisher, former. Just about every Everybody. other team in yep. the American League. Right. Yeah. <laughs> He's been well, you, you just blow me away with uh, with your knowledge of baseball. I, I mean, you, you you must have been following it for, for quite some time to have the knowledge that you do have. Do, do you know what? I like ESPN launched uh, an, a channel in the UK. It must have been about 12, 13 years ago called ESPN America. And it's the first exposure that we ever got to live games. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to sit up at like three in the morning and watch like the NHL. I used to watch the hockey, like, yeah. but it was yeah. live. So you were sitting there at three o'clock in the morning w- trying watching to watch hockey. a game. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I kind of missed all that. And when ESPN America came along, when you were going to get to see the hockey, you were going to see baseball, American football. And I, I remember like a bar um, in my local town actually started showing the baseball games on a big projector screen right in the middle of the bar. And I thought, well, this is home from home. I, I have not been to New York yet, but I can get the best of both worlds right here. And and from there, it just became almost an addiction. I just like absorbed anything baseball I could possibly get. So, I mean, yeah, you could say about 12, 13 years I've spent learning not only the game, but, you know, just the, the culture, the experience, the lifestyle, just... Yeah, just absorbing as much as I can. Uh, and you told me uh, off the air that you went uh, to the games in London when the Red Sox and the Yankees played there a couple of seasons ago. Oh, yeah. That that was bizarre because, you know, for, for UK culture, like football is about the only sport that gets that level of crowds. And I just remember walking through um, Stratford up to the big walkway coming up to the Olympic Stadium and there's like 60,000 people all dressed in Red Sox and Yankees mm. and baseball caps and gloves and bats. That was a huge culture shock to me that that was just like, hang on, have I time traveled? Have I, have I suddenly been, have I'm in New York all of a sudden? It's just, really, yeah, yeah. It was bizarre and the, the atmosphere was second to none because if anything, UK audiences, and don't get me wrong, there was a lot of Americans that had traveled for the, for the games sure, as well. Yeah, yeah. But my God, did they bring their vocal cords that night? Yeah. Like both games, they were absolutely electric. And, and, and there was a lot to cheer about too. I think I lost count on how many home runs there were in that first inning. I think there was about 12 or 13 in both combined. It was unbelievable. I remember the first inning of that first game on a Saturday. Yeah. And uh, it was just totally unbelievable. Now, it was on, I think it started at 1 o'clock our time, so that would have been like 6 o'clock uh, your time. Yeah, uh, it was sort of early, late uh, afternoon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that first inning, I think, took like an hour and a half. I yeah. mean, it was a long first inning. I, I forget what the final score was of that first game, but it was uh, it near... Was, it was double digits. It was <laughs> near record-breaking <laughs> proportions. Yeah. Uh, that is for sure. And, and one of the reasons was, and we were talking about this off the air, that to uh, dead center field, the, the batter's eye was like 330 feet, correct? Yeah, yeah, because of the unique way that they'd set up the baseball field, they wanted as much space in, in the outfield as possible for right. like left and right field. Yeah. So the best way they thought about doing it was actually setting up home plate right at the side of the arena. But it actually gave them a little bit of a, a distance, disad- well, I'd say disadvantage, more disadvantage for the defending team, but... For hitting home runs, yeah, 330 was the batter's eye. Yeah. And then the outfields, I think, were 390, 400. So you had a very yeah. very short but very long field, which made for some quite interesting home runs. Uh, absolutely so. It was uh, quite a couple of games, and you went to both of them. I did. I was, I was incredibly lucky because anybody who's had to buy sporting tickets when they go on pre-sales, yeah. And have to sit in those online queues and go, you're number 697 in a queue of 67,000. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. do start to lose the, the, the will to live. But <laughs> I was lucky enough to get a ticket for both games. And yeah, as, as a Yankee fan, just as a baseball fan, getting to watch history happen. Because that was the first UK baseball right, game in right. Major League history. Yeah, And just sitting there, the game ended, you, hearing Frank Sinatra blast all around the stadium. New York, New York, yeah. And fireworks yeah. blasting all over the yeah. the London sky. That was, yeah, that's a memory I'm going to cherish for a long time. Yeah. Now, what were they charging for tickets for those games? Uh, it wasn't 
ridiculous. I th- they still had their, like, the more expensive ones were down the front. But to be honest, the way that the seats were in the stadium, you could still have what most people would class as nosebleed seats for, like, 30 bucks and oh, still right. get a okay. great view because yeah. you were still really close to the action. Yeah. So yeah. I think I paid something like 50 a piece for both games. Oh, so no, that's not bad. Not no, crazy. No, I mean, you have to pay that for a bleacher seat at Fenway Park exactly, these days. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's not, not bad at all. I thought it would be a little bit more... Expensive than that, but uh, as I remember, uh, just watching the games, it was I think it was kind of hot those two days. Uh, oh wasn't man, it? Yeah. like we we were in the middle of an absolute heat wave, so I think it did touch ninety degrees Fahrenheit quite often in those days, and that's unusual. Well, I did have a little bit of cover, so <laughs> it was win-win. <laughs> Grant Adamson is with us. He is a native of Scotland, as you could uh, probably tell. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how you differentiate a, a, a English accent from a Scottish accent. There are probably ways to do it, but uh, we'll, we might get into that. But we only have one segment left. There's so much to cover. We haven't even mentioned the Queen yet. Oh we got to get to the Queen. Yes, we do. And uh, we will right after these words. It's Kale & Company live here on WKXL nhtalkradio.com please stay with us we'll be right back kale and company live for a tuesday here on wkxl 1450 a.m 103.9 fm in the capital region 101.9 fm in manchester and beyond and streaming around the world around the clock at nhtalkradio.com even in scotland we may have our, our largest Scottish audience today uh, of all time. And if not, they, they can uh, log on to nhtalkradio.com, and it'll be there in the not-too-distant future. So there you go. And uh, Grant Adamson is with us, a uh, native of Scotland, joining us today. Uh, and I, you know, before we get to the Queen, I just want to you know, ask you, uh, does New Hampshire at all remind you of Scotland or vice versa? I, I will be honest with you. Like There is a little something about this state that makes me feel like I'm coming home. And all in many, many good ways. And it's it feels like there's a lot of... There is a lot of expats in New Hampshire. There's a lot of people that emigrated through either second or third generation that that came over, and especially the East Coast, especially New England as well. And you can kind of feel that in there. There's a very sense of freedom and kind of we're going to do what we kind of want sometimes, in, in a good way. But Scots kind of tend to do that all over the world as well. Although in that sense, we also tend to travel in places where it's very wet and rainy whenever we go around the world. And we seem to have managed to inhabit quite a nice, beautiful place in this place, Um, especially when you go up to the White Mountains Mm. as well. That just reminds me of walking up into the Cairngorm National National Park and and enjoying sitting by Lockside on a a beach somewhere, which, yes, there is beaches in the mountains, believe me. Um, And it is warm enough to go in them. and just sit there and just soak up the sunshine, just enjoy the peace and quiet, the the nature of it all as well. So there is a very 
very likable connection between the two. Yeah, and uh, I, I was wondering uh, how how you would uh, feel about that, and uh, can can you find uh, fish and chips in New Hampshire uh, comparable to uh, ones in Scotland? Well, funnily enough, I was actually taking some fish and chips in last night. You a little Cheers Bar in downtown Concord okay. as well. Yeah, so yeah. I will say this: I was actually really impressed. Um, I mean, yeah, there's going to be some little differences. They're they're not going to be quite the same, but. To be honest, I I think as long as the fish is done right, there's good batter on it. <laughs> and and for me, salt and vinegar is is absolute king. Which is a very real problem for some places over in the US because they don't put vinegar on fish and chips that often. But if they want to do it right, that's what they're going to put the put the vinegar on it. Yeah, that's that's it. right, and I I agree with you uh, <laughs> totally, especially when it comes to the chips. Maybe maybe not so much the fish, but but when it comes to the the chips or French fries, hmm. uh, as it were. I remember uh, there, there used to be a, a chain of restaurants in this country, Howard Johnson's, and on hmm. when I was a kid on Wednesdays, uh, they would uh, have a fish fry, and yeah. and they would have fish and French fries, as we call them in, in this country. And my grandfather, a native of Scotland, would always inevitably order, you know, if the, when the waitress asked him what he wanted, he would say fish and chips. Yep. And uh, like half the time, they would come back to him with fish and a bag of potato chips. And, and that, <laughs> that, that set him off royally, I'll tell you. But speaking of uh, royally and royalty, hmm. uh, the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth II, passed away recently and I'm sure all of you have heard that news by now. Uh, and uh, she died uh, in one of her favorite places at uh, uh, Belmoral Castle mm. in Scotland. She did. Yeah. The um, the monarchy and, and the queen herself is, is a bit of a... It's, it's, it's going to be a huge culture shock because when you think about it, she sat on the throne for 70 years and three different, three sometimes four different generations of families have come and went, and she's been the constant through all of their lives. And now all of a sudden, they they have a king on the throne, which is you know, it's, it's a bizarre. It's still settling in. It still doesn't feel real yet. Yeah. Because you know the queen's always been on the money. The queen's always been there. She's always been on public events. She also is also on the TV at Christmas. It's there's a lot of standards that families will will work around their their living lives to include her in some way shape and form so when when the news came that she was not going to be attending the highland games and that all of her family were making their way up to balmoral we kind of saw the writing on the wall i mean after after losing philip a few years ago we kind of figured that she probably was struggling with a broken heart if anything else i mean those two were almost inseparable for mm -hmm. yeah. decades yeah and when the news hit, I, I just remember being on the train home and just looking at my phone, seeing the news. And it's, it's a difficult feeling to describe, a very numbness, but very kind of surreal, like almost like dreamlike state. Right. Because you never thought you'd live long enough to see that kind of thing happen. And all of a sudden you see everybody all kind of reacting the same way. But it brought so many people together as well. And I'm sure that uh, people in, in Great Britain especially, but certainly people all around the world, will remember uh, where they were, <clears throat> excuse me, where they were uh, when they heard the news of the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. 
Um, you were on a train. No? Yeah. yeah, I was finishing work that day. It was 6 p.m. Sun's beautifully shining. Managed to squeeze on at last minute. It's always a busy train on rush hour. Yeah. And yeah, just sitting there staring at my phone. I had to actually sit for a minute and actually kind of read it over a couple of times just to kind of realize it was it was actually happening. And they referred to in that same article to, to Charles as, as the king and Camilla's queen consort. And that's where it kind of went, wow, that it's literally it's, just yeah. snap of the fingers. And that's, it's it, all the whole thing's changed. And and there's there's been so much admiration for for the for the monarchy in our country for for generations. I mean, this is a queen that served in World War Two. Yeah. She knew how to strip an engine inside out. That alone should be winning medals for anybody else. Yeah. And she was always one to kind of joke around, be a little playful, and quite you know fun and enjoy life as well she wasn't one to kind of just sit and let the world go by all right she always liked to be kind of involved as well very much uh, into horse racing as i understand it yeah for yeah. for a little bit i yeah. i've never i i get the idea about horse racing but it's um it's a little outside of my world if yeah. you get my yeah. thing. but yeah. um yeah. Is it more uh, in uh, in England, uh, especially, is it more of like a, an upper crust sport? I would say yeah. so, yeah. Okay. It's that crust that has horse yeah. racing, <laughs> hunting, cricket. Yeah. All, the, all the sports that would probably send most people here to sleep yeah. is usually what keeps them entertained. So there's yeah. a nice balance. But there's always been one factor, I, I think, uh, in Great Britain hmm. that we haven't had here uh, as a country in general and that is gambling on these things. And I, I think I, I've often contended. This is, this is just what my opinion was. Hmm. I, I never thought uh, that uh, football, uh, European football, as we refer to it as soccer here, would be as popular if it, in you know, Great Britain or even around the world if there wasn't drinking and gambling involved. I'd certainly agree with you on the drinking. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they've tried that in Scotland. They tried banning alcohol at yeah. all venues and watched as the crowds dwindled into zero. Is that right? Yeah. It, it had a real knock-on effect. And, it, and I mean, to be honest, like pubs and bars were probably celebrating because more people would go into the bars and pubs mm. and drink and watch the games than go yeah. live. But there's also got to be a nice balance with it as well. The gambling... It's, it's difficult because I've not been part of the culture, but I'm aware of its existence. People putting bets on teams, put, you know, they'll have multiple game wins and big yeah, results. Right. There is a culture there. And it's usually the lower class that have like that gambling culture because they're, they're looking for a quick win. They're looking for like the big money. Sure. Yeah. And it's usually if they don't win, they'll drink their sorrows. And it, it's a very much a repetitive cycle there. But I would certainly say that there, there is a culture there. But I don't think the gambling going away would change that. No. Because okay. football supporting in our country, because it's handed down from father to sure. son and son yeah. to daughter and whatnot, it's it's a very, almost a tribal thing. So there's something very familiar to American football with that as well, especially when you go to like the college games as well. Yeah. You'll have whole families out there, all face wow. painted, big banners ready to go. We might not be that loud and, well, we can be obnoxious, but we can... You know, they're not loud and proud about it, but we certainly scream and shout and sure. harangue and swear. And do they tailgate before uh, soccer games, uh, like like they do uh, football here in America? 
probably i don't think they get enough speed to tailgate to be honest with you yeah. <laughs> they're all, the, the thing i love about this country right now especially new hampshire is that you've got what you would call turning circles here now we call roundabouts yeah. I've, I've never known a culture to find going round in a circle so difficult yeah. so it, <laughs> it completely puzzles me but yeah i mean we don't have as many big highways and and long straight roads so you'll most people will actually take public transport to shows and and sporting events so they'll all just cram themselves on little buses and trains but it doesn't mean they're not obnoxious when they're doing it yeah. <laughs> as they can be in this country as well yeah, yeah. A bit. <laughs> to a certain extent so uh, now it's off to new york for you and you you told me uh, that you saw uh, a taping of uh, the tonight show with uh, jimmy fallon yeah, Recently. Um, well, I'm actually going to be in the audience uh, a week, a week oh, today, actually. Oh, okay. You haven't seen it yet. Not okay. yet. Okay. But um, I've, I've been really fortunate. I've been to New York so many times, sitting so many little TV shows. But tonight's show is it's, 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 it's legendary in yeah. its own right. I oh, mean, it, it might not be Johnny Carson, but you know what? Hey, I'm going to enjoy myself. Jimmy's good. Jimmy Fallon's Jimmy's great. great, great host. And you are a great guest, Grant Abramson, and uh, we, we could go on for a, a long time here talking about uh, various things uh, concerning Scotland and Great Britain and, and the U.S., but we have to wrap it up, and uh, thanks so much for being with us today. We yeah. really appreciate it. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Kale & Company Live, and if you missed it or want to hear it again, 7 o'clock tonight, just a little after 7 right here on WKXL and nhtalkradio.com. Make it a great Tuesday, everybody.